Hey there, it's Matt from Generator. I would love for you to be able to listen to all of our new podcasts as soon as they come out. So please make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or just head over to generatorpodcast.com to listen to the library of past episodes as well. The full video versions are also available on YouTube on my channel at Stone Tree Creative. While we're talking social media, please follow our accounts on Instagram and TikTok as well, both at Generator Podcast where I post highlights from current and past episodes and give you insight to what it is I'm actually doing here. Lastly, if you're like me and are planning next year's marketing budget, you should think about the power of this platform in sponsoring growing shows like Generator. All you have to do is get in touch and we can start that conversation. So that's it. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. And now let's start the show. Welcome back to Generator, my friends. This is episode 19, and I'm calling it Finding a Quiet Kind of Magic, because that's how my guest describes her wedding photography. Susan Stripling is a giant in the photography community, especially in wedding photography circles. You see, Susan is one of the world's most sought-after wedding photographers, having won literally countless awards, appeared in countless magazines, and representing some of the top brands in the industry. She's a Canon Explorer of Light, and has taught thousands of students the intricacies of wedding photography. Susan and I met in 2019, and during COVID, we would keep each other sane by talking on the phone for hours. She even came up to visit here in Maine when she was on her way out to Acadia National Park last summer. She has an unreasonably deep love for horror films as well as Broadway, and I've been after her to appear here on Generator for a while now so that I could grill her on all of these things. In this conversation, we're a little all over the place. We talk about her selling the wedding school. We talk about using AI, the importance of self-care, as well as her top horror picks. But of course, no conversation would be complete without getting her thoughts on the future of the wedding industry. These are the types of conversations that I love to have because they're random and real and natural. So sit back and get ready to listen to my friend and my guest, Susan Stripling. I saw your new website. It looks amazing. Isn't it beautiful? It really is. Tell me about it. Tell me about the process. Like you've yeah. you've wanted to update it for a really yeah. really long time. I know that you were you were going through a firm there. Were they are they Brooklyn based? Um, They're actually based in um, Las Vegas, which I did oh. not know because it's like you know website designers can live anywhere. Sure. It doesn't matter. Right. But after I started following them on Instagram, I was like, wait, they live in Vegas. Um, They're young, amazing, much cooler than I'll ever be. And I loved my website. Like I had the same website on the same platform for forever. It was like killing it in SEO, but I was really limited with what I could do with the aesthetics. And after a while, I just, I needed a more, I hate the term high-end, but a more high-end aesthetic. So the company I hired, they're called Inkpot Creative. And I, I hired them because my friend Justin hired them. And Justin's personal Instagram handle is Justin hates most things. And so if Justin liked them, I knew, right? <laughs> like I knew we were going to be good. Um, but they were also hyper organized, which I really liked because website Ooh. projects can take like, they can take forever, but they do a five week turnaround of a complete design of a website. 
and they set you up with their like notion back end so that everything is it all has a due date you know exactly what they need from you on what days and it just i just followed the to-dos one at a time i rewrote all of the copy on my website it's basically all i did for like five straight weeks and it is gorgeous and because I also hate most things, I figured we would get the very first draft. Now I'd be like, it's okay, like it's close, but like there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done to it. And the first draft was just, it's basically what you see. Like we tweaked a couple of tiny things, but they just understood what I wanted it to feel like. And it, I love it. Like I, I still like, I feel like an old because I'm still learning how to do the back end. I'm like, how do you put in a picture. So I go back to the manual and I feel like I'm sending like, you know, like when you're like programming your mom's VCR back in the day, right? Like I feel like those are the types of emails I'm sending to them because their answers are like, well, it's actually quite simple. Nothing dates you like trying to learn new technology. Oh God. When I was in IT, when I was in IT years and years and years ago, we would send, you know, the RTFM, read the fucking manual to people. And I always kind of laughed about it, you know, because I'm I'm smarter than everybody. And then those projects started happening and I had my website redone probably, God, it was three years ago. So beginning of 2020. And I went through a very similar type of outfit. Mm -hmm. They were based in Europe. And the problem was um, I knew more than they did. And I'm, I don't say that with ego, but I'm going through this good, and, yeah. and they're developing it on WordPress and I've been using WordPress forever. And yeah. I'm like, mm, I don't really think you should be doing it that way, but I'm going to trust you because I'm paying you and I'm going to let you do your thing as the experts and just trust you. And at the end, it just wound up being me having to just write a check and saying, you know what? I'm going to finish this. I'm going to, I'm just going to finish this all. I appreciate all the the holes in my stomach because of this thank you so it sounds like uh on my next go round i'm going through through ink pot they so, were honestly like i i cannot say enough good things about them on all different levels and i apologize publicly for every email that i send them now which is like how do i make the font <laughs> italic and it's just like i can't believe i'm now the person asking these questions but you know what it oh, does wow. look gorgeous it does look gorgeous i was going through it today and um, I just wanted to see it because I, I had forgotten that you had said you updated the website and went yeah. back and I was like, oh, this is oh, this is the new stuff. And it's gorgeous. The best thing about it, besides the pictures, obviously, and just reading about you in general, what amazed me was how personal you made it and conversational, right? So as I was reading it, I was reading it as if I were a bride or a groom. And I felt like I was having that conversation, meaning I could hear your voice. It wasn't chat GPT copy. It wasn't, you know, just real formulaic stuff. I'm going to take the best wedding pictures you've ever seen. Bah, 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 bah. You infused it with so much of your personality yeah. that the aesthetic, sure, it looks great, but reading it, is a masterclass in relating to clients. Yay. Okay, good. I did yeah, it. Yeah, it was really, really well done. I mean, I think my boyfriend can attest. It's literally all I did, thought about, talked about for like five straight weeks to the point where the copy could have all been word salad. Right. I have no idea. I looked at it so much, <laughs> but it really was nice. It's, you know, your work evolves over the years. Your, your yeah. brand message evolves over the years. And sometimes it just needs a new home to live in. I look at it now and I'm like, hee hee, that's mine. It's so pretty. It was so, it was so great because I'm 
looking at it and I didn't realize, like I knew you'd been shooting a long time, yeah. um, but as I started to read through the history and, and your background, which we don't have to go through your whole background. I didn't realize 2001 is when you started. I thought it was later than that. I thought it was after 2010 and you just crushed from, you know, like for 10 years. But you've been shooting a, a lot longer than that. Thousand Weddings, Gucci Mane. You shot Gucci Mane. And literally the funniest part about that is I had absolutely no idea who he was. No idea whatsoever. Um, the wedding coordinator, like, you know, called. And I, I had been referred by the videographer for the wedding. And so she calls me and she's like telling me the whole the whole deal about the wedding and where it is. And it's a celebrity and the, what, they, what they want in terms of contract and whatnot. And at some point I was like, you have to tell me. Like, I have to know who it is. Cause I have to send a contract to a person, right? Like even if we're going through their lawyer or whatever, and she's like, okay, it's Gucci Mane. And I'm sitting at my computer and I was like, um, who is Gucci Mane? I had no idea. Like this is so, it was so out of my frame of, of pop culture knowledge. I was like, is this Broadway? It is not. Um, so yeah, I was the, I knew no one at that wedding at all. And like my kids were texting me and they're like, is Lil Yachty at the wedding? And I was like, what is a Lil Yachty? I don't even know. Is this a person? Is it a thing? Like, I don't, I don't know. But it ended up being really fun. And he was like super nice. And his wife is super nice. And it was just, it was just a wedding, really. Do you find at, and I'm assuming that wasn't a budget, let's go to the VFW and rent the hall type of wedding. It was probably a little bit above that. Do you find that in the higher budget weddings that they are easier or harder to deal with i know because you have like i'm not a wedding photographer right so i'm the last person to talk about weddings right which is why i'm going to ask you really ignorant questions sure. about the wedding industry so when you're starting out a lot of times there are some bridezillas mm -hmm. and you're trying to find your way mm -hmm. then you kind of hit your groove maybe five eight years in mm -hmm. and you're really humming along and then you get to a point where you're above that and you're sought out for what you do and you start getting into higher profile weddings and what I've seen this with several of my friends, right? And that's mm -hmm. how the career goes. Yeah. Where you're dealing with high budget weddings, do you find the coordinators and I'm, I'm not going to throw you under a bus here, but do you find the coordinators yeah. are easier to deal with on the bigger weddings or harder? Does the experience that you have, is that commensurate with their experience? And do you find everybody just working as a cool team or is it just all over the place and you just have to thread that needle through the day? It's all over the place. Like I, I sit down and I think like, okay, well, the weddings that like have bigger budgets, are the clients easier? Are they harder? Yes. No. Some of my most difficult clients have been uh, lower packages. Like they've spent less than very expensive clients. But I haven't really been able to draw a line between when my job gets easier and when it doesn't, I can say that there are a handful of, of coordinators that I work with that do bring lovely budget weddings. Um, and they bring a good atmosphere to the table. So working with them is like, you know, you can just kind of like trust fall into the day. Sure. And it's going to work. Like they're going to manage all the vendors and it's going to be a cohesive team. But honestly, sometimes just goes off the rails no matter no matter what people try to do well that's really kind of what i was getting at it has very little to do with the the amount that's spent or what you're hired for it has very little to do with Correct. 
Yep. Just in terms of experience level, I figured that if there are people with a little bit of expendable income, that they'd yeah. be hiring, you know, top tier folks all across the board. And I was just curious if you ever looked back and you got to this point where you were just kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of working with the the hall of justice here with like, you know, the videographer and the officiant and the band, like we all kind of circle around each other and it's cool. Having really never been in that world, I'm sure it's just, it's a roll of the dice every time. It's funny because where I'm at right now, I'm trying to push myself to like the next tier of, of money making, like the next tier of, of, I don't want to say clientele because I'm not, it's not judging the people I'm working with, but the next budget level in terms of packages. And every time I do that, like every time I make the next leap, I'm like, okay, it's going to get easier. Like the team, the day, it's all just going to get tighter. And it... What I've learned, if if anything, throughout all of this time is that I have no idea what's going on. No one has any idea what's going on. Like a perfectly planned day could go completely off the rails and a badly planned day could go beautifully. Like there really is no, if any photographer has reached the point where they're like, I have made it and all of my weddings are now very easy. Um, I would love to know what they've done because it's just part of why it's fun is you never really know what you're going to get into. And part of why I'm exhausted at the end of wedding season is because you never really know what you're going to get into. But it does get easier when there is a planner on the team that is and by like an event planner, like someone who's been with the clients from the beginning, full service planner, who's helped with timeline, who's helped coordinate vendors instead of someone who just kind of comes in for month of, day of, week of planning. What I do find, if I'm going to find like the easiest wedding to do, it is going to be with someone who has full service whole way through planning because part of what they do as they're planning and coordinating is helping put together a team. And that's putting together vendors who work super cohesively together, which just makes things easier. Um, The last thing in the world I would ever want to do for a living is like month of day of planning because you're running in, it's like building a house nine tenths of the way and then having somebody come in and go, I just, just finish it. Right. And you're like, you hired insane people. Like what is going on? But it's that sad. I've never had one go so far off the rails that it couldn't be pulled back. So, And that's the common uh-huh. theme that I hear from everybody that shoots weddings is yeah. they come home with that thousand yard stare, a little bit of shell shock, yep. but they're like, eh, I'll still do it next week. Yeah, I'll do it right. next year. I'll keep doing it. Right. <laughs> yeah. And there's this weird dynamic between the love hate relationship with shooting weddings. Everybody yeah. knows it's probably the most grueling, but it's also gives you the most experience in every sort of condition ever. And I know that the the wedding school is, you know, now under Emerald, Mm -hmm. but was that the reason that you wanted to get into education was to start a school like that and eventually sell it off? Were you trying to just teach people what you knew? How did the wedding school come about amidst all of that? (laughs) Amidst everything. Well, most people's kind of speaking trajectory goes that, you know, you stumble into somebody somewhere asked you to give a talk for something. Sure. Um, and my very first talk that was not like to our local camera guild, I went to Jacksonville, Florida, and I talked to the camera club at the diner. It was called the Tiny Diny, and I am not joking. I gave I a presentation this. at the Tiny Diny on this. shooting destination weddings in Florida. And this was in like 2004. And then like you go from there to speaking at like, you know, slightly more regional and then maybe like a WPPI, a portrait masters, like you kind of get asked to speak 
a little bit higher up. And then you start, and then people start asking, like, do you right. give workshops? And I was like, yeah, I can give workshops. That would be fun because there's really only so much you can impart in like a 90 minute class, an hour long class, you know, that sort of thing. So I started doing like small group workshops and that was fun. But then Creative Live kind of came along and they had me come teach for them. And I just loved everything about that teaching format. I thought it was, I thought it was fantastic because we could teach direct to camera, but we could also film me doing things. And I'm like, this is great because now people can like, if they need their off-camera flash lesson, they can just roll back and watch it again. And then that kind of went on and I was like, but all of this education that I've done is owned by another company, which again is absolutely fine. My creative live years were, I loved them so much. Like right. they, it was such a special bubble of time. Craig Swanson, who is one of the owners and like founders of creative live started getting into working with other educators and he and I kind of conceived of the wedding school of like, well, what if, what if instead of one-off classes over here, I just put everything under here. Got and it. that's when I started thinking like, I don't know how long I want to educate at the pace that I'm educating right now, because I was teaching a lot and I was also shooting a lot. And I thought, well, if I could build something that our industry finds valuable and helpful, once that is a package, I could hopefully sell that package. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of educators are like, oh my God, I would never sell my education. I would never sell out, which is like the funniest thing I've ever heard because like I'll sell out all day. I have no problem selling out because I like money and would like to retire one day. And I built this beautiful thing and I built it to the point that I wanted to build it. And then I didn't want to build it anymore. I wanted to hand it off to somebody else. So I did. Coming from... Cisco doing mergers and acquisitions for over a yeah. decade. That was the thing that I found with all of the different founders and the CEOs of these small companies is that very few, I did 60, 60 some odd deals. I'd say 55 of those, they were built to eventually sell. Yeah. Now those executives were also of the mindset, Hey, if it doesn't, that's okay. I still have my exit plan. Absolutely. I'm going to put five or eight years into this and then see where it goes. Right. A lot of those guys were turning them over in two and three years. I love the fact that you had an end goal in sight, yeah. right? That didn't include that, that there was an exit plan that you were like, I yeah. want to retire at some point. I originally built Stone Tree to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. The emotional attachment to it. I know you just said like, you know, you had always envisioned packaging this and selling it off. Mm -hmm. How did it feel when you did? Did you feel a weight lift? Did you scream? Yes. Did you cry? <laughs> did you laugh? All the things? I, it's funny. It took forever to sell it. Like yeah. it really? took, oh my gosh, Matt, this was like a, a, it took probably about 18 months to get the whole thing wow. done because there, there had been another potential buyer before that. And that didn't work out. And then the sales started to happen through Emerald. And then it just takes forever, right? Like you've got legal and then they have their legal and then I have my legal. And then right. you have accountants talking to accountants. And then we're going to have the same conversation again, just with different people. And it was my first real foray into corporate America that taught me that I don't want to work in corporate America. I mean, it took a long time. I feel like that gave me, like it gave me time to be done. Yeah. So that when it was done, I was just like, okay, we're, we're good. And I am very sentimental about a lot of things, but also very pragmatic at the same time mm -hmm. that I did build something. I built it to sell it. It is a capsule of the education of all of my knowledge of those years and those times, but that's over. 
Right. Like, and now I'm doing different things and I'm learning different things. And it's, it's just, you know, sometimes doors really do need to go. That's horrible phrase about doors closed. No, or other it's not. Open. I mean, it's, but it's true. I built this thing. I gave it a big hug. I sent it out into the world yeah. and I just kept going. You know, I find that I'm certainly very nostalgic and yeah. probably hold on to things a little bit longer than I should emotionally, physically mm -hmm. hold on to things longer than I should. It's always curious to me when I switch the brain and I go into the pragmatic mode Yeah. and I look around and I can detach myself emotionally, decision-making yeah. is so much easier for me it really is. when I can just remove that emotion. Because I, what I've been doing lately is saying to myself, all right, if you were giving you advice, what would you say? Yes. If you were giving you advice, you'd say, dropper, go here, sell sure. that, move, you know, get rid of this, whatever it might be. Yep. It is very easy from the outside to look in and say, oh, it must be easy, right? Right there on paper, just sign here, it's done. Now, when you finish that phase, mm -hmm. that season of life, and you start to move forward, creatively, I've seen you explode over yeah. the past three yeah. years, right? Since COVID, since we've really started talking 2019, yeah. thereabouts, I've seen you explode creatively with prints from your walks in a cemetery. Yeah right? And flowers and you're, you're speaking differently and I'm seeing you teach a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. What are you doing? Are you just exploring, having fun, trying to figure it out? Or do you have a, another end goal in mind? Where are you at it's, with that? What's funny is that I didn't really realize what I was doing until I started reading this. So I, for the first time I've invested in like my own education this year. So, and in the education that I'm doing, there was like a list of like books that are really good to read. And so one of them is like the, oh God, I can't even remember what it's called. It's the Elizabeth Gilbert book about creativity, big magic. I think that's what it's called, something like that. And one of the things she talks about is just like, stop creating with an end goal in mind, just make it. Will it be stupid? Probably, who cares? Just do it anyhow. Mm -hmm. And there was a big, like, in 2020, like, I was living in Brooklyn. It was a horrible place to live during a pandemic. We were, like, shut up in an apartment building. It was it was awful. And I just kind of thought, who cares? Like, I'm just going to try doing this thing, and I'm going to try cooking, and I'm going to buy more houseplants, and I'm going to be weirder. And it, who cares? Like... I had somebody in my life for a really long time that was always like, you have to be super professional. Like everything has to be professional. You can't let people in, you know, like fourth wall. But over time, I'm just like, why, why would I do that? It, it doesn't matter. And if someone thinks I'm weird and they don't want to listen to me, that's okay. And if someone thinks I'm too soft now and too Taylor Swift fangirl now or too whatever, whatever, that's okay. I just kind of stopped caring and started trying everything. Well, when my kids went to college, I just got more dogs. That's a therapy session in itself. I'm only 45 and my kids don't live at home anymore. So why not try stuff? Why not let people see you're soft? I also fell in love and I got all gross. Like I am disgusting now. Like I'm squishy. It's vile. It's just, it's kind of like the F it. Why not? I'm going to disagree with you on all those points. Okay. However, I did see you, like I saw you doing things that I never would have associated you with. I saw you painting yeah. and I, you know, I saw you doing things, getting into real estate development and interior design yeah. and we'll just, we'll renovating a whole building. Yeah. Renovating a whole building. I saw you just 
having fun. Yeah. And the interesting thing you said in there was about the, you know, the, the fourth wall and what people think of you. Yeah. It's been a really interesting thing to watch with the rise of TikTok, with the rise of social media. I'd say over the past three years, three or four years, mm-hmm. that this this fourth wall has fallen apart and the access to celebrity. And yes, I will refer to you as a celebrity in this point. The access to celebrity has become so easy to interact, right? You used to have to write a letter. Well, Mr. Cary Grant, I really (laughs) loved you, you know, and I would like to someday meet you. Now I can slide into your DMS and be like, yo, what's up? You want to talk wedding stuff? I think the access has made everybody rethink how we interact online. Yep. And I'm sure there's someone listening right now going, oh, the boomer gets it. He gets it. I think. Great. Like I'm 45, whatever. You can make fun of me for being the boomer that gets it. I'm not going to act like I'm 22. I'm not. All I'm saying is like me, the boomer, I get it. I finally understand social media now. And (laughs) and I'm the same way. Like I am, you're not going to catch me dancing. You're not going to catch me lip syncing, but I will be open and vulnerable. Yeah. And I will show you parts of my life that I, I probably feel a little bit weird and squishy sharing, but yeah. you know what? It's me. Take it or leave it. We got a Go couple it. of hours on this planet. Let's make the best of them. If you think my Instagram stories show too much of my cat or I talk about Taylor Swift too much, don't look at it. With that, what's your favorite type of stuff to create? Is it is it painting? Is it you know breeding plants? Like, what's your favorite thing I mean, I to be creating right what now? What I'm doing right now. Like, I'm, I don't want to say mm. I'm having like a, a midlife crisis, but like after 2020, when you try all kinds of new things, because we were all at home and we had yeah. nothing else to do, what do I want to try now? Because I've renovated my home. It's gorgeous. I've got my dogs. I found my partner. Like, I don't feel like I'm, some of that felt a little bit like flailing. Mm. I don't. I don't know what I want to do right now. So I'm trying to like sit in my not knowing, Mm -hmm. which is a horrible, horrible thing to like get an ADHD perfectionist and try to just like sit with where they are right now. But I don't want to start new big projects and I don't, I just, I want to learn how to be a little bit easier. So oh God, this maybe sounds so ridiculous. I'm on like a wellness journey right now, apparently, of like, I finally joined a really good gym and I'm working with a trainer and I'm working on what I'm eating. And like one of the big things with the education that I'm doing now is there the teacher I'm sort of working with, she, she talks about all of the things you need, you need to do to keep a business going. And one of it is sustainability. And by yeah. sustainability, she means your body and your well-being. Yeah. So like in the down season, I'm lifting weights and cooking beef stew and apparently walking on a treadmill desk now, which is a thing I do. Oh, we got one. Dude, it is a, oh my God. I don't, it's such a simple thing. Mm-hmm. You just throw a treadmill under a desk and walk at an, at a grandpa pace mm-hmm. while you're working. And then the next thing you know, you've been walking for two hours mm-hmm. and you've done like 10,000 steps mm-hmm. and you feel great. But my goal this winter is to take care of myself and to try to keep my brain open mm-hmm. and see what comes in. Part of me is like, pick a hobby, ADHD, pick a hobby, right, do right, a thing. Right, right. We should make jewelry. Let's do pottery again. Like, so I'm trying to go the opposite of that and just learning how to be calm and enjoy just being calm and see where that goes. 
So, yeah. You know, you had you had this quote on your website, and I'm going to read it. It's a quiet kind of magic being able to pluck a fleeting moment from the grasp of obscurity and place it on paper, holding it for all time. I'm going to cut off the place it on paper, holding it for all time. And it sounds like you've been trying to create this quiet kind of magic. You're finding these fleeting moments. You're taking them from obscurity and you're nurturing these things in your own life and you're building and you're creating. And without that end goal in mind, yeah. putting it on paper, yeah, you're able to just let things be. Do you find that that has opened up new doors for you overall? Do you find yourself more calm? Do you find yourself yearning for what you had and want to be that busy again? Or are you just really relishing the present and just saying, you know what? I need to take care of me. This is what I'm doing at this point. The rest of the stuff will come when I'm ready for it. Honestly, I'm just trying to be right now yeah. because I feel like so much of my life was, was a mom within a year of graduating from college. Like I have spent... Mm -hmm my whole life building things, raising things, whether it's people or a, a business that I sold or a business that I still run or a life in Brooklyn. And now having my kids out of the house has been an even bigger, what the hell does all of this even mean than I yeah. thought it would be. I like to know things. I like data. I like facts. Like I like to be able to prove things. It's funny that I didn't have like my who am I now crisis when my daughter, my, when my youngest went to college, it took like a year to really hit me. And I just have this frantic desire right now to be like, I am a person who likes these things, who does these things, who lives this way. And I'm like, no, no, we're not going to, we're not going to do that. We're not going to like put down hard facts just so we have facts. Right. Let's just try to let it figure itself out organically by like, working on my business, like just, just let's just let things unfold, which for me is like water torture. Like mm -hmm. it is so hard. I just want to know, I guess I'm in like the figuring it out season. There's a whole lot of, I don't know, right. like what is next? I don't know. What am I going to do this winter? Yeah. I don't know. I can tell you I'm going to be working out a lot and just so part of this, this, I keep talking about this big magic book. Cause it's what I've been reading. She talks a lot about like how ideas wander around until they find homes. And if like the idea comes to you and it knocks on your head and you're not ready for it, it goes and like find somebody else who'll let mm -hmm. it in for. Mm -hmm. And so my goal right now is to just keep all the doors open yeah. and try to like keep my brain open for ideas without forcing them. And I'm in the phase of that right now, which is very, very, very hard. <laughs> Because I don't know how to sit down and calm down in any way that hasn't been dictated by a global pandemic. Carlos Santana had, I will butcher the quote, but I'll give you the gist of it. Go for it. I, I heard an interview with Carlos Santana years ago, and he was talking along the same lines where he's like, you know, someone had asked him, you know, how do you improvise and how do you, you know, create the music that you create? And he's like, the music is already out there. Yeah. I just channel it through me. And if I don't, it'll find somebody else and it'll go through them. Yeah. And he's like, I want to bring as much of it to the world as I can. And it sounds like you found this luxurious freedom in allowing that to happen to your ADHD yeah. methodical brain. Yeah. 
I know that I struggle with it a lot. It's got to feel simultaneously exciting and freeing and terrifying all at the Horrible. same time. It sucks. Yeah. But it's like sitting down and doing this education where it starts with like, some of it is very education 101, where it's like, figure out the why of your business. And these are things I did a long time ago, but I'm doing them again. And it just feels, it feels like something in my life is slowly turning over, but I don't know what it is. Mm. So I'm trying really hard to just trust the process, Sure. which is, I mean, it's terrible. It, it, it like sucks. I want to know what the process is and when we're going to get there and what it's going to look like. And I want to know right now. Because you also have practical concerns, like, will the process make me some money? Could the process bring me a few more wedding bookings for next year? Like, we've got to pay the rent. Like, it's, you know, got to pay the mortgage here. Often joke that it's like a midlife crisis, but I don't think it is. It feels more like a an unfolding into what's next. Mm. But I am the least gently unfolding person ever. So we're we're just going to... We're going to need it out. It's going to, it's going to get there. So, and I'm, yeah. I am getting better at saying, I don't know when people are like, well, what's right. next for you? I'm like, I don't know. And that and has to feel good instead of like, Oh my God, I don't know, which is really scary. Hey, let me ask you something. Do you ever feel like your style could use a bit of an upgrade? Well, I've got just the place for you. It's called cyanide bunker. And trust me, it's not your average store. At Cyanide Bunker, they craft handmade jewelry that's as unique as you are. I'm talking pieces that aren't just accessories, but statements. Whether it's the headhunter bracelet, the skull stud earrings, the sugar skull pendant, or even their custom bracelets, each piece tells a story, your story. I get it, you're not looking for the same old run-of-the-mill imported junk. You want something that speaks to your soul and supports a small business right here in the US. Well, that's exactly what Cyanide Bunker delivers. Their pieces are handcrafted in Maine with a touch of the unconventional, perfect for people like you. So if you're ready to add some edge to your style, head on over to cyanidebunker.com, use code GENERATOR, and get an immediate 10% off your purchase. Trust me, you won't just be buying a piece of jewelry, you're buying personalized, wearable art. So check them out today, cyanidebunker.com. That, that anxious I don't know is way different than the the wonderful expectation of the unknown yeah. of saying, no, I know I have no idea what's coming. And that's the exciting part. Like it's going to be awesome no matter what it is. That's, that's a really nice place to get to. I know that I think I was there once right now, <laughs> not necessarily there, but I think from what I see of you from afar, it looks like you're exploring all these things and it's yeah. really cool. I mean, I saw you this, this past summer, you're in a van, you're traveling around, <laughs> I know, you're, renovating, I you're renovating a building. Like you yeah. really do. You, you seem to have stepped back on a day-to-day -day basis yeah. from what you're known for and you're yeah. exploring all these other bits and that's gotta be just a really cool feeling. So what's your go-to to kind of step back and recenter? On a day-to-day -day basis, like I have a nighttime routine and I know it sounds cheesy, but it's like the greatest thing in the entire world, which involves eating frozen green grapes in a bath and then reading a book for as long as I can until I fall asleep. And that kind of like, we'll go, which part are you making that face about? The frozen No, I'm just like, this sounds wonderful. Tell me yeah. more. I have a bathtub oh, yeah. and grapes in books. Talk Dude. to me about this. So, but you have to freeze green grapes, not red grapes, because otherwise it's weird. But I like to freeze green grapes and then put them in a bowl. And like I have one of those like bath caddies that sits on top of the bath. Me and too. We, oh yeah. When we renovated 
Oh, I saw when I saw like your your place, your bathroom was gorgeous. <laughs> but the big deal, like when I renovated this, I was like, I want my shower and I want my tub in the same room. Mm -hmm. I want them to be like, it's like a wet room. So I could step from one to the other. 100%. It's the best thing ever. Highly recommend. 10 stars. I just run a really hot bath with a lot of Epsom salts, put frozen green grapes in a bowl. I have these electric candles that I turn on, I turn all the lights off and I get in the bath with my book and I just read for forever. And it, it's just like being in white noise. Like that's the best way I can describe it. So it like sets me up for sleep. That said, sometimes it just doesn't do it. And I, I do get really twitchy if I've been in one place yeah. for too long. So I do like going places like the van is one of the, the best investments I've ever made. So like when, when Bill has this wedding in Florida, we're not going to fly to it. We're going to drive to it. That's great. And knowing that I have the ability to just be like, uh, we're just going to take off for a couple of days and go somewhere. Mm -hmm. We don't have to find a hotel. We don't have to, you know, figure any of this out. We can just get in the van and go figure it out when we get there. Pro tip, you can sleep in a Cracker Barrel parking lot for free. No one cares. It's a big Cracker Barrel thing. You can car camp or van camp or take your RV to a Cracker Barrel parking lot. It has van parking because they know you're coming in in the morning for pancakes. So yeah, as long as you go where there's a Cracker Barrel, you can go anywhere. But <laughs> it is, I'm still getting used to like, I keep coming back to the whole kids being out of the house thing. I'm just still getting used to the idea of we can just pick up and go somewhere. And I don't have to arrange like, well, the girls need to be with their dad or like, okay, they're here and then I'm going to a wedding and then I'm doing this. It's just a whole completely different like mindset. So yeah, the van is like having a little traveling apartment and we can go wherever we want. So next year we're planning on road tripping out to um, WPPI again, taking a month, just going out West again and seeing where that takes us. I was thinking, I love being on the road, right? I love... Yeah just driving and being on the road Me and from too. my former life just i would rather drive than fly yeah uh any day of the week i don't mind doing 12 15 17 hour stretches at a time i fall into the hypnosis of the Your road zone. yeah and i just i really enjoy it i listen to music i think i meditate yeah. i listen to audiobooks like whatever it is yeah. call people get caught up you know have a good time on the phone whatever it is i just find that i'm at home yep. all that pressure off my chest and my shoulders just goes away yep. because i'm out here there's nothing i can do so i was actually thinking about if i go to wppi this year Five. um do i drive out Drive. And take some time now. Why not? Your van is far newer by about two <laughs> decades than, than my truck. So driving the 3,000 miles and that might not be worth it, but doesn't mean I can't rent something. So you've got your apartment on the road. Mm -hmm. Tell me about the renovation. Now, we haven't talked about what? last time I talked to you about the renovation. I know we talked this summer. Um, and you said it was going really, really well done. Yeah. When we first started talking about it, you were getting into it with your friends. You were buying this building. There was this angst and nervousness yep. about what the actual am I doing? And yeah, this was a bananas decision. Like this was an absolutely bananas decision. In hindsight, it was, what are you thinking now? Um, I think it's awesome. Yeah. So for anyone who has no idea what I did, um, I lived in Brooklyn since 2000 and, hmm, 2007, I think. 
And once the girls were in college, I was like, why in the world am I spending all of this money to live somewhere that I don't even like that much? So I sold my apartment in Brooklyn and bought a building in Baltimore with my friends. And I say my friends, it's a, both of them are my friends. They're married to each other. Right. So we actually bought this building a year, a year before I moved in. During the pandemic, when we all thought we were going to die, we would just (laughs) (laughs) sit around and look at Zillow and it was like, I would rather die in this beautiful home that I can't afford, this beautiful home that I can't, you know, you would like look at, and it's like a New Yorker's pastime anyhow, it's just like looking at real estate. Somehow Jane had mentioned that like she wanted to move back to Baltimore because she was like from the area and they were living in the suburbs and they wanted to move to the city. I don't even know how we started looking at Baltimore real estate. But we found this building that was, it's like an art gallery slash studio with an owner's residence on the bottom floor and then an owner's residence on the top floor and then a back apartment that could be like rented out or used for guest space. And we use it for guest space. The catch was that the downstairs unit was perfect and ready for moving in. And the upstairs unit looked like 1992 had thrown up and died in the apartment. Like we're talking... They managed to have both drop and popcorn ceilings, multiple different types of carpet. They this wall behind me, they plastered over it. Like it was a it was a travesty. But we knew that if we bought it and we went in on the renovation together, mm-hmm. I had a year that I wasn't going to be living here. So we could literally rip the whole thing down to nothing and start over again. Right. And so that's what happened is for my daughter's senior year of high school, I was living in Brooklyn, but traveling back to Baltimore to watch this renovation take place, which we thought would take X amount of months and X amount of dollars. And three times, both of those things later, I've been here now for a year and a half, like officially moved out, sold to Brooklyn place, live here. And this is the most beautiful place I've ever lived. Like, I can't believe that it looks like this. I can't believe it's done. The final step was finishing like a roof deck so that I had outside space. And that was done earlier this summer. I officially, like I live out here full time, but Mm -hmm. my business and my studio are still back in New York, which seems crazy, but it's only like two hours and 45 minutes door to door from here to my studio door, which is not that bad. It could take me the same amount of time to get from here to Manhattan as it took me to get from Brooklyn to Manhattan on a bad day. So I just go back for weddings. And otherwise I live here. My cost of living is so much lower and I live in this weird building and we're still kind of figuring out what we're doing with downstairs. We use it partly as an art gallery. Um, We have a little store that we open on like for like neighborhood first Fridays. Sure. But figuring out what we really want to do with it long term. Like, does it stay an art gallery? Does it become like a peer space sort of rental? Kind of still sorting that one out. We own the building together. Uh, it's the biggest friendship commitment I've ever made is we have to be friends for at least 28 more years. The weird thing you think when you're like little and you're like, I'm going to grow up and like live in a house with my best friends. Kind of, I kind of do. That. You did it. Yeah. You, you can either go the cult route or like what you did. And hey, listen, I said, route. I don't know. Cult route could be next. We're not. <laughs> we, we might still be building this commune. You never know. Hey, listen, listen, we're letting all the ideas come in. I'm just going to see where it all goes. Guys. The dogs don't think I should start a cult. They all just start oh, over. Now that you live in Baltimore, yes. How's your connection to Broadway? Because you were oh. you were a Broadway freak, dancer, musical yep. lover, yep. right? Yep. So, do you miss that connection? Are you still going back a lot? Has it's that so affected low. your love of Broadway at all? 
Yeah, I no. still go. And it's funny because like it's and I'm sure anyone who lives in any big city can attest like you do less of the things that are in your city when you live in your city. Oh, sure. Like I never, ever went to the Statue of Liberty and I lived in New York for how long? And it's always like when it's there and you can go whenever you want, you never go. Sure. So I still see stuff. I still go back to see stuff. There's nothing that I'm really super like like thrilled about right now. There are definitely things that I still love the city for. And I can appreciate a little bit better now that I don't live there. But I'm kind of handing Broadway over to my daughter, my oldest, who just did her first Broadway show contract working on a lighting design team to get a show up and running. And she's done with that contract now. So she's now fielding the question of, so what are you going to do next? Right. Which is the perpetual freelance life question. I didn't move all the way across the country. I can still go back for anything I want to go back for. I can go back with better appreciation. Life feels more open. The air feels cleaner. I don't know. It's Baltimore. So um, I mean, there was a puddle of blood on the street around the corner yesterday morning when we walked the dogs, but there wasn't a visible crime scene. So it's fine. You don't know what species it was. So don't get anything. that out of shit. Could have been, been anything. Absolutely. Speaking of homes. Yes. I've got my home here, which you've seen. I've got I have. several more plants since you've left. Good. Good. They're on the slow euthanasia path <laughs> where they look at me sadly. I water them. I talk mm -hmm. to them. I try to take care of them best I can. But every plant I have in the house is on hospice care. I was going to say, so you're a hospice facility. I am a hospice facilitator for vegetables. Nice. How can I, where should I go? What should I buy? Should it just be, should I just get a fake ficus at like the Christmas tree shops no. and put that in the corner? Or do I go the succulent route? Talk to me, Susan Stripling. No, no, no. Just get a bunch of pothos. That's literally all you need. I have two That's of it. them. And you're, how are you killing them? How are they dying? You live in Maine in the winter. Everything okay, wants okay, to die. Enough. Fair enough. They're they're unaliving themselves on purpose. But if you, everything you need to know about plants, just follow Hilton Carter on Instagram. Hilton Carter. Hilton okay, Carter. I'm literally writing that down. He is, Hilton. first of all, the coolest dude ever, and I've learned everything I know about plants from him. Are you speaking at WPPI this year? Are you? Yeah. Are you out there? You are. I think yes. Apparently, yes, I am. Yes. So I do want to. I do want to come out and see yeah. you because last time you were there teaching, I had a blast, and you were doing the the thing. You had your fingernails on. I did. <laughs> self-portrait one and that was really really cool and that's what got me thinking about your creative journey is there any topic that you thought of or is this like the keynote that you write in the van on your way out there i have a platform class that's about using ai for your photography Ooh. business in like always shapes and forms from editing to copywriting to all of that yep. and then they're doing kind of like a wedding summit and i'm going to do a talk there and um i just sent in like a proposed topic for that which was they asked me to live shoot. I was like, well, let me do the thing where I show like, and live shooting for wedding stuff is so hard because it's just so different. Right. Um, but what I really like to show is like the variety of portraits that you can make with just one light sure. and how just one light using it in a bunch of different ways, you can get a lot out of it. So that's probably what I'll end up doing if they approve that. If not, you didn't hear this and I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm talking to Pratik tomorrow <laughs> night. Are you? Um, and we're going to talk all AI stuff. So yeah. thinking about, I know you have this relationship with Imagine AI. Yes. Like I've been using more and more AI yeah. in all of my workflow. Little bits, pieces here and there. But even with yeah. the podcast here, using different AI tools to make my job easier. At first, I was very, 
very much against raising up these tools and allowing AI to grab hold. And then I realized I had this stupid little conversation with myself. I was just like, Photoshop has been artificial intelligence literally since the first time we ever used it. So why are we cracking eggs over this? There's really no reason for it. What I've found is in my own particular workflow, there are bits and pieces that I use to save time. Yep. I find myself using AI in that respect, not to create, not to make things. I'm using it to replace the time to give me more time to create. So I'm replacing the time that would take me away from creation and putting it more into uh, ways that frees up time for me to do what I love. Absolutely what I do. Yes. Yeah. I'm not using it to make stuff that isn't there. Right. I'm right now, because who knows where it will take us in the future. But like, if I can teach AI to edit like I edit, why would I be spending hours and hours and hours doing it myself? Right. When there's something that could do it for me that I taught to do it. Why would I spend forever cloning someone out of something in, you know, my assistant softbox Mm -hmm. out of something in a photo when I can just loop it with generative fill and have that do it. Like I love using AI to make my life faster, easier, just more streamlined. Sure. I'm still not sure how I feel about using it to make things that aren't there. But I also have a a job that is very heavily rooted in things that are, they have to be there. Like it's with portraits, I could absolutely see being, you know, AI is a huge possibility. But for weddings, there's so many, it's real moments, real people on a real day. There's less, let me take the building out that they got married in front of and put them in like Iceland instead. Like that's not quite as as applicable. there's a different intention behind it too, right? Yeah. There, the intention of Susan shooting a wedding is to capture those moments on mm-hmm. that day for those people. Yep. Screw the rest of the world, right? When you're creating things to put out there to gain attention and you're using yeah. AI to do it, the intention is different. Now you're just marketing. Now you're just advertising yourself unless you are a digital artist that uses that as your base and then you're manipulating that into something else. It's such a hazy gray area, right? And I try not to have any level of absolutes because I hate absolutes. So tell me a little bit about, uh, plug Imagine AI a little bit, just just because I know you're all in on that tool. And you've you've told me without any audience, you're just going to Imagine AI is the shit. Without being melodramatic has legitimately saved my life. Like, yeah. There are so many photographers like posting right now on their stories and whatnot where they're like, I'm drowning in editing. And I'm like, right. I'm done. Yeah. Why? Why? Like, are I was, I'm done. I come home. I usually call the wedding within a day of shooting the wedding because I have me personally, if I let too many days go by, it takes me so long to call because my brain just starts <laughs> forgetting things. Um, and if I do it really quickly, I'm so much faster at it because I remember the day really right. well. But like right. five days go by and I'm like, was that the bride's mom? And I'm like, oh my God, you idiot. You were literally just there. But then once I've called, I send the images to Imagine. I usually go take yeah. a shower while they're uploading. Yeah. And I come back and they're done. That's amazing. And I download the edits into Lightroom and I still go through, I still look at every image and I make little tweaks here and there because sometimes 
you know, I'll, be, I'll make a decision with lighting and AI is like, I think this is where you're going with this, but sometimes you also go in this direction with this. So we're, eh. but I also then spend way more time than I used to on like playtime, like kind of masking backgrounds or cleaning things up a little bit more than I used to. But it has just made, there's no more tedious right. one at a time edits going on. It's, it's just so instantaneous. And I trust it because I taught it. Like, it's not just let's send it to a bot that's kind of going to guess. It is crawled your Lightroom catalogs that you've sent it. And it knows in these situations, you do these things, so we will replicate them. So I have even less human error than I've ever had before. Because it's, I mean, it's AI. It's it's a machine. It's probably going to take over my house one day. And that's actually fine as long as my workflow stays okay. But I did the most boring promo video for Imagine last year. It was actually hilarious where they had like, they went and visited like Charmy and they was like, tell me what you do now that you have so much more time with AI. And Charmy's like, I make meals. I spend time with my family. And they're like having a feast in the yard. And I was like, I sit on my sofa and I read a book. <laughs> And I was like, I don't. Which probably appealed to a huge audience to hear just that. Like, I'd love to sit on the couch I and read don't a book. do anything. Like, with, they're like, what do you do with the time you got back from Imagine? And I was like, nothing. I don't do anything. I take naps and walk the dog. But it really has, like, anything that can remove the bulk of the busy work. Like, having QuickBooks auto-import my transactions. Right. It's so much easier than sitting down with my bank statement once a month and manually sure. typing things in. It just makes my life easier. Why wouldn't I harness that technology? Because now my brain is clearer. It is more interested in the work I'm doing because I'm not slogging through it. And it just gives me lifetime back, apparently, to just get more animals. Like I was saying earlier, it gives you that that freedom to create a little bit more. Let me yeah. play with these masks, right? Cause I haven't spent 20 minutes on this one photo, just yes. trying to get it to look consistent with all the others. Yeah. Now I can actually play with it and be a little bit more creative. And I think, you know, you're so good at, at, at creating impact in the moment. Yeah. You don't have to spend all your time in post-production doing this stuff. You're, yeah. you're yeah. doing it in camera essentially, which is, is, is minimal in in all good ways i like to think which is the best part of ai for someone like you i would imagine mm -hmm. because after weddings you would spend all this time now that you've created everything in camera you can come home and just have it 90 percent of that work is done you're still going to put your touches on it but 90 percent of that work is done that's gotta feel amazing especially at this point right where you're not slogging it out every weekend and it's funny, like when people are like, well, what can I do to make my workflow faster? Like the first thing I say is like, your work needs to be tighter. Sure. Because the better my images are when they come out of camera, the less I have to, I don't want to say fix because it's not fixing, it's just manipulating, but the less I have to fuss with each one. If it's cropped the way I want, if it's, you know, as close as exposure as possible, <sighs> you know, mostly I just spend my time generative filling my assistant who's holding a light out of right. stuff. Hang on, what are the dogs doing? I hear the dogs in the background. They're shaking, and then yep. there's booms. It sounds like it's a little bit of constant chaos, but you thrive yeah. within this chaos. Like it's a, it's this gorgeous dance that it's you're doing. It's yeah. a mess. Um, sometimes there's yelling. Right now, the cat is in in cat jail because she's being really bad. <laughs> but it. it <laughs> and now all of the dogs are looking at me like, "What are you saying about me?" It's <laughs> funny because like. When it's chaotic, it's literally the worst thing. And I think, why have I done this to myself? 
But most of the time it's like, wow, I get to share my home with these creatures who are so funny and snuggly. And like the best thing is like Bill took a picture of I was having a sick day and I was like laying in bed and all of the animals were in the bed with me. The cat, all three dogs smushed right up next to me. And I was like, this is living. And then the Dr. Doolittle. And I was like, you can all move out. <laughs> You've got a birthday coming up in January. Uh-huh. So I understand. I do. You've never struck me as the, we're going to make this Susan's birthday month type of person. Ew. Um, Ew. But no, but you know, beginning of the year, right? You've got a lot of things going on. It's before yeah. the season kicks off. I didn't know if you yeah. took the winter and especially around the beginning of the year to take a trip or go somewhere warm. I know you probably I don't be like warm. being warm. So that's, you know, it's a perfect time of year for me. I don't like to be warm at all. We're talking about going to, we're going to this Florida wedding and it might be in the eighties and I'm like, I'm going to die. So I don't book weddings now around Christmas and I, we're just not doing New Year's Eve weddings anymore. Like sure. I'm, like I'm saying the phrase, I'm too old for this shit, but like, I can't do New Year's Eve weddings. I just want to see my parents. I just want to yeah. see the girls. I want to relax. January is sort of like, let's start planning our road trip to WPPI time. Because last time we were gone for a whole month and it was legitimately the coolest yeah, um, to just exactly. be able to take off. So we went down to my parents, dropped off the dogs. My parents live in Georgia and then headed out from there. So I think January, February, honestly, my goal is to just try to be as reset and chill as possible for the year. I'm doing a lot of business reevaluating right now because the wedding market is so different. People book differently now. They book closer to their wedding dates. Like mm. the pandemic sort of shook up the market a little bit. I'm just trying to take the time to see where it is, where mm. it's going. What am I going to do in January? I don't know. And I say that as a happy I don't know because I don't know. We're also talking about maybe going to Bermuda because we're trying to find somewhere we can go that's kind of tropical but not super hot. Mm -hmm. We realized that it's like in the 70s in January. Mm -hmm. So that might be my perfect. Bermuda is beautiful. You've been? Um, I've been down to Bermuda, Aruba, Turks and Caicos, um, St. Lucia, St. John's. I spent a lot mm -hmm. of time down there just because it's so easy to get to from the East yeah. Coast here, right? Yeah. So we used to go down quite a bit. We'd either go and spend a week, we'd fly down and spend time there, or we'd do the cruise and we'd bounce. We've only went on one cruise and I'll never cruise again. I'm, I don't think I'm a cruise type. I'm not built for that. <laughs> and I love it down there. Such an easy pace of living. There has to be an expectation. Like I like to go down and be pampered at whatever resort. At the same sure. time, I don't need all that. I could no. very easily rent a house and have That's just as good of a time. Doing. Yeah. It's like Airbnb being a place yeah. for a week and just having your just own thing. Eat. Well, yeah. and also there's something to be said for being away from home where I don't have, Oh, I want to start a home project or like, I really should clean out the closet or like something like that. I'd like to be away because I guess if, if I have any creative itch at all, it's to, um, I started writing a little bit during the pandemic and my brain keeps kind of like coming back to, I think you should maybe write some more, but that's about as far as it's gotten. So we'll see. I don't know. The last question that I'll, that I'll ask you that yeah. you can very much answer with, I don't know. <laughs> Been in the game a while. You've seen yeah. the wedding industry up yeah. and down sideways this way, mm -hmm. that and the other. After COVID, you just said it got shook up a little bit and I'm hearing that's the same true. thing, right? Where yeah. everything's been kind of turned on its head. Yep. Do you think that will normalize into the way it was? Do you yeah. think this is the 
I hate saying new normal, or do you think it will kind of find its way somewhere in between? Honestly, the the correct answer is probably somewhere in between. Somewhere in between, yeah. But it's also, I don't know if it has anything to do with COVID. Like it's, you know, newer generations, different ideas about marriage, different ideas about weddings, different thoughts about what they want out of life. Like the traditional wedding photography model might not continue working because things might look different. But I guess when I'm trying to tell myself with all of this, and this is really hard to do, is I don't know and that's okay. I just have to keep my eyes open, analyze as many data points as I can, and try not to make any frantic business decisions based on any shifting sands that I feel, because I don't want to make a panic decision to change the type of way I do business only to have it two years from now stabilize or normalize or the economy change. And then I'm like, cry, I made a decision I don't like. So I don't know what's going on out there. I know that bookings are strange. I know that most everyone I know is very quiet right now. Very, very quiet right now. Like more quiet than they've ever been. Like does my contact form work quiet? And I hear that from everyone who isn't lying. Um, honestly, like some people are like, this is the best year I've ever had. And I'm like, you Instagrammed like four weddings this year. (laughs) How is this? the Sure. But things are just weird. And the, but the economy is weird and everything's really expensive right now. And I don't know that I would want to spend a lot of money on a wedding right Right. now. So I can't fault how people, and also that whole thing people are talking about, about like, are we going to have a lost year or a lost couple of years where like nobody was really dating in 2020? So like, are we going to have a wedding gap? Like, what does that look like? I just know that like back in 08 and 09 with the economy, everything shook up the wedding industry again. I was just like, I'm just going to stay the course and see what happens. And then I will make adjustments based on the data points that I can look at. That's all I can do right now is just Mm -hmm. keep saying, I don't know, but keeping my eyes open. Like you can say, I don't know, but you're really just like, I don't know. I've got blinders on. I don't want to know what it comes down to is it's really just freelance life. It's always going to be a bunch of I don't know. And like we never get tenure and nobody gets job security and I don't get a pension. There's just always going to be so many questions, but hopefully being okay with not knowing. I don't know. From what I've heard this entire hour has been you're very comfortable with that. I don't know now. Maybe (laughs) 25 year old Susan wasn't necessarily as comfortable. She would have had an aneurysm. (laughs) Would have had an aneurysm completely, just blown a gasket. But it sounds like all this work that you've been putting into just staying present and accepting the unknown is really calming. I'm noticing now. I don't know if it's you know this wonderful relationship that you're in, if it's just coming to a better place with yourself. But from all of our conversations, again, it has become very obvious that you are much calmer, much more in control of yourself, much more serene and content. And it's an awesome thing to see you stay in that place. Even when you're saying, I don't know, I don't know where it's going to be. Oh, and I I have have panic days and like, you know, Bill and I have like our weekly freak out about business and like everybody (laughs) does, but therapy meds, (laughs) Sure. but like realizing that, like, I think if 2020 taught me anything is that like, at the end of the day, you only have so much control. Right. And I can either learn to live okay with that or I can let it eat me alive. And we're going to try to learn to live okay with that. 
If not, I'll just get another cat. I don't know. There's always a solution to every problem. Thank you, Susan, for giving me all your time. Oh, yeah. I know on a cold night like this, you'd rather be buried in blankets with all the animals. But instead, we're going to get takeout Thai food and watch Top Chef. Yeah, so if people think that like in the off season, I'm like watching high fine art movies, dude, we were like watching Top Chef and TV shows about how to build tiny houses. And I'm reading junk murder mysteries and it's like the best. All right. And, and speaking of which, we never even got to talk about horror films. Oh, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Top three, top three horror okay. films that you've ever seen. Knock them out. Top three horror films. Number one, it's called Pie Wacket. It will scare the crap out of you. P-Y-E, Pie Wacket, very freaky, scares the shit out of me. Number two, it's called a, uh, The Witch in the Window. What hand gesture did I just make that made balloons fly behind my head in this? I have no idea. I've never seen that. <laughs> I just moved my arms around and all these balloons flew up behind. So pie whack it. Witch in the window, hereditary. An honorable mention is Midsummer, which is like my comfort horror film that I like to fall asleep watching. Because nothing's really more soothing than, you know, burning your boyfriend in a bear carcass. You gotta do what but you yeah, gotta do. Piwacket is really freaky. It's yeah, never heard of that. It's very like it didn't get a huge release, very small movie, but there's just something about it that rubbed me really the wrong way. And everyone I've showed it to, it stressed them out because it's my favorite type of horror, which is you don't see the bad guy and it doesn't end happy. It's a magic formula. It's true. Like the second, like the, I would put smile on like my top list, but they show you the bad guy at the end. And the second you see the bad guy, you're like, that is stupid. And it is not scary. That's the worst thing you want when you're in a state of fear is to be like, well, this is stupid. Cause it just well, takes you, know, you out of the whole the story. Scared right? of. I can be not scared of that. But if right. you just don't show it to me, it's like, um, also on my list is it follows someone you might not even be able to see is just following you around to kill you. Like that is, Oh, that's, that's New York really is all that is. That's really, yeah. The latest screen movie that was set in New York when like Ghostface is like on the subway. I'm like, this would never work. Like the New Yorkers <laughs> would have just beat the crap out of him. It would have been over in like two seconds. He would have been trying to like rob the bodega and everyone would have been like, get over yourself. But yeah, if, if Pie Wacket is the one that really, oh, hang on one more. Can I do one more? Yeah. Um, it's called Lake Mungo. It's done as like a faux documentary. And okay. I usually... Faux documentaries are usually so cheesy. This one like, really does. It's not like found footage, like Blair Witch style. It's, it's no, it's okay. like a, it feels kind of like you're watching like a dateline almost. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. But there's something about it that just, it gets under your skin so wrong. It's great. It's great. But if anyone really wants to see all of my 500 favorite um, horror movies, I'm, I have a letterboxed account. So you can just look me up on letterboxed. And I have a whole list rated by the ones that I like the best. Because listen, we had nothing to do in 2020. So that's what I did. I I love, I love that you dropped that because I really do want to go check that out. I love horror movies because like my favorite horror director is Mike Flanagan. He did um, Haunting of Hill House, The Fall of the House of Usher, like the new Dr. Sleep. And his wife is in a lot of his movies. Her name is Kate Siegel. And if you follow her on TikTok or Instagram, she did this great monologue once about like why she likes acting in horror. And horror movies get a bad rap, but it's actually the truest and most genuine acting you will do because it is your truest and most genuine base emotions of fear, of anxiety, of I, that's a whole nother podcast of why I think horror movies are the greatest thing ever made. I would love to. And that's not Katie Siegel, Peggy Bundy, Katie Siegel, is it? No, 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 okay, no, all right, no. Totally different. Very different just, Kate Siegel. 
Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you for all of this. And yeah, I will have you back. Why don't we do something in uh, October-ish and we can do your <laughs> you can do your horror picks. Oh my God, my friend Camila and I can do our horror movie fan club for you. All right. So I'm going to see you at WPPI in a Better. couple of months and we'll have more conversation. We'll go to some overpriced restaurant and have tiny Absolutely. little donuts. <gasps> the <laughs> Bill just did a fist pump. The stack little donuts <laughs> over at, you remember the little donuts at stack, the little baby ones? <laughs> okay. All right. We're going back. This has been amazing. Thanks for giving me your time. I will, uh, I'll see you soon in Vegas. You better. All right. Bye-bye. Hey there. Can I ask you a favor? If you're loving every minute of the show, and I hope you are, then subscribing is like becoming an honorary member of an exclusive club. Subscribing means you'll never miss a single episode, and trust me, you won't want to miss what I have in store. But here's the extra special request. I'd love it if you could take a moment to leave a five-star review. Your review is like a virtual high five. It lets me know I'm on the right track and helps others discover the show, too. Your feedback and support mean the world to me. I read each and every review, and they inspire me to keep bringing you the best content possible. So grab your phone and show some love with that five-star review. It's quick, it's easy, and it makes a huge difference. Thanks so much for being an amazing listener. Together, let's keep the conversations going. Subscribe, review, and let's make this podcast journey unforgettable.